Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. Here's your host, John Frashante. Cosmos Country, welcome back. On this week's episode, I will be joined by David Kilpatrick, Cosmos Club historian, to review near Cosmos' victory over the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I'm proud to say that the Cardiac Cosmos are back. We will look ahead to the weekend's matches in the NASL, go around the league, talk about some news, rumors as well, and then we will be joined by Puerto Rico FC President Thomas Payne. So without further ado, let's talk to you, David Kilpatrick. I'm joined by David Kirkpatrick, Cosmos Club historian. How are you tonight, David? Very well, John. How are you doing? Doing really, really, really good. Let's discuss the Rowdies matchup. It was a very intense match, like every single time we play them. Uh, but the funniest part was that three weeks earlier, we played them at Al Lang Stadium. The final time we played the Rowdies was this past Saturday. It was a very intense match. It really was. And... Uh, it's just always cool to see us play the Rowdies and have that uh, great rivalry matchup. And the Cosmos found themselves down really early in that match, and I just never expected that. What were your thoughts when you saw the Cosmos were losing 2 nothing? Well, when that uh, second goal went in, I, I turned to some people that I was sitting near, and I said, well, remember back in fall 2013, we were down 2 at the half. And... Uh, you know, I think everybody thought I was a little crazy, but there were a lot of people nodding like, yeah, it's true, that's true. Um, and it, it felt like we kind of caught lightning in a, in a bottle there uh, in that incredible turnaround. But, you know, y- you have to admit there's something really magical about the Cosmos facing the Rowdies. And, um, with this squad, I think we've learned that Cardiac Cosmos can always uh, pull, pull a surprise off at the last minute. But, uh, you know, it, it, it seemed we seemed really deflated down 2-0, but getting a goal back uh, before halftime, uh, and then, you know, coming back and, and getting the win, um, obviously really, really huge and especially sweet against our arch rivals. 22nd time we've beaten the Rowdies, so uh, we've got their number still, and uh, it's a good feeling. Well, I think at first they thought that they had our number, uh, which, yeah. like we all know, it just didn't happen, and it wasn't going to happen. But if you're on the Rowdy side, which we're not, you're up 2 nothing. At Short Stadium, you're finally beating the Cosmos at home, and you just can't hold on to that lead. So if you're a manager for the Rowdies or if you work for the Rowdies, you're probably getting yelled at uh, right after that match and probably till today as well. Uh, but I just didn't think the Cosmos were going to come back from that one. I, I mean, I, it's not that I didn't have faith in the team. It's just that I just couldn't see us winning the match, but... 
coming back from two nothing and tying it up and David Deose with the great winning goal it was just spectacular and to say that the cardiac cosmos are back it's just so incredible hopefully we don't have to fight like that in the future uh, but I would want to see us to dominate the match for the full 90 minutes uh, but to see that we have that fight back it's just so exciting well think about it you know the substitution Diosa came on in the 87th minute the 87th minute that substitution that guy ends up getting the the game-winning goal in the 93rd minute um, a lot of that people... just shows how well Gio knows this team and and knows how to push the right button at the right time. You know, to come in that late in the game and make that kind of an impact. And I don't know about you, but I've watched that goal over and over again. I still don't know how the heck he got that in. Yeah, just like great that. passing. It, it just looked like they practiced that in training as well. It's just beautiful, beautiful. They call the routers off guard. A blessing to be there. You just mm-hmm. feel really blessed to be witnessing that kind of uh, uh, intensity, that kind of passion, that kind of uh, will to win, like the Cosmos displayed yet again. Let's talk about what happened in the 67th minute. So Adam Moffitt, he's passing the ball back to Jimmy Maurer, and Darnell King sort of like runs into him, and Adam Moffitt wasn't having any of that. So, but Darnell King started this. Uh, let's call it a fight, and. Adam Moffitt just like pushed Darnell King and they were going at it. The whole both sides were going at it as well. And Moffitt and King were issued red cards. Darnell King, okay, yeah, he should have got a red card from the beginning. But Adam Moffitt getting a red card for just really defending himself? Am I wrong on that one, David, or no? I think we're a little bit biased, but I, and I think it was... Uh... Yeah, the referee had to be aware uh, of the scrutiny uh, that he was going to be facing with this game, and it would make that type of a decision, you know, just about seventy. It was the sixty-seventh minute, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, to to throw out a, a Rowdy's player there um, when the Rowdies might be able to have a gripe that this was, you know, fifty-fifty. You know, I think it was a way of just trying to uh, take the air out of the situation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought Moffitt was just being a good teammate, and uh, you know I, I'm biased and would have liked to see him stay on there. But thank God it, it worked out. I think the extra space really ended up working to our advantage. Yeah, maybe he thought it was late in the match. I don't want to like impact the match with just giving the Rowdies a red card. So he's like, let me give them both a red card. Which, like David said, we're probably a bit biased, but I just couldn't see that being like a really bad foul. Darnell King started it. He pushed him first. Why wouldn't Moffitt go back and push him again or or say some words? Like, if you rewatch the uh, broadcast, they were like, oh, he got a red card because they were saying words to each other, which I don't know how they knew that. But, yeah, he didn't deserve it at all. But let's talk about the refs. Pro referees always are under scrutiny every single match. They can't get away from it, especially Rowdy's Cosmos in the past as well, especially at Tampa. The ref was the worst ever. The funniest part, David, about this ref this past Saturday night was he only had six months of experience with pro. And the second thing was he is a MLS fourth official. So as a fourth official, why are you getting Cosmos Rowdies as your, say, next matchup for the weekend? I just can't understand that. Well, you know... Um, the way things are set up right now, I, I 
I don't even know what what positive things I can say other than there were a lot of referees up in the stands. I don't know if you knew there was a large group of referees. I think they were doing an assessment activity or something in the day. I think they do um, that all. I mean, I think there are some type of referees there watching that ref. No. Oh, oh, oh yes. Every game, there's always assessors yeah. there. But uh, there were there was one referee, one of the best uh, referees I've ever worked with, Tom Glover. Uh, I mean, as a player myself and, and as a coach back back uh, years ago, uh, he was there. It was great to see a, a good old friend and someone who's never red carded me, by the way. Oh um, yeah, and but, you uh, took a you picture know, with him as well, he, right? My my point is is that you know there are really good referees out there every Saturday and Sunday, um, and you know I, what allows certain people to break through into whatever ranks, and then how they become seasoned veterans in really hostile matches. I mean, this especially because of the last meeting that we had with them, you knew it was going to be tough. You knew it was going to be fractious. You knew it was going to be. A battle, and it was. I mean, the amount of stoppages through this game is really, really painful. I mean, it was it was bordering on NFL silliness with the delays. I mean, we could have had television commercials, uh, no problem with all the delays that were going on. And I was surprised that there was as little as added time as there was at the end. I think it was eight minutes added on, right? Yeah, something um, like that. Yeah, and it, I, I, I'd been joking that uh, it was going to be 10 or more, and I still kind of think it should have been. I think we had a stopwatch, and it seemed like there were more stoppages than there was flow to the play. And obviously, that's not the Cosmos way. We like to play a nice, fluid game. We don't want things disrupted, and and uh, no question about it, there were, the amount of stoppages indicate that things were out of control. And uh, a more seasoned presence in the middle... Um, could that have curtailed some of the hostilities? I would think so. But wouldn't you think a ref would do his homework, come into the match and say, this is what happened three weeks ago, all these missed calls and whatever happened, and then come into this match thinking, okay, this is the last time that these two teams are going to play against each other for the season, and it's a heated rivalry from back in the day. So you have to take all that into account and then go onto the pitch and call a fair game as well. Well, you you got to wonder about that, right? What is the nature of preparation um, for these NASL games? Are referees studying film of the prior encounters to these teams? Do they know the inclinations to certain, player, certain players to start trouble and to try to draw fouls and to try to draw the ire of the opposition to try to uh, coax them into cards, that kind of behavior? I, you know, I, I think Gio said it very well. You know, the Rowdies are a really good team. They just would stop trying to make excuses why they can't beat us. You know, they, they yeah. you know, I, I think that was the thing going into it. They, they already had a chip on their shoulder about refereeing decisions when we felt aggrieved at that last game uh, yeah. prior to this one. So, yeah, um, to what degree is the referee crew, crew that's assigned going into it just tabula rasa as if they've got no prior judgment at all? I know that's not the way referees at the at the you know English Premier League prepare for matches. I know that's not the way UEFA referees prepare for Champions League matches. So you know I, I I'd be uh, hard pressed to understand the the assignment of someone uh, who's a novice uh, relatively to to a game with this kind of intensity. Well, that was tough. I didn't envy the job. Put it that way. Yeah. I think most of the refs that we see in the NASL are like MLS rejects, really. It's like, well, you can't make it in the MLS being a ref. 
and you're just coming into the NASL and you're trying to make a name for yourself, not in the worst way, but for you to get to the highest level and for you to uh, be an official for an MLS match. I'm not for sure. I'm just speculating here is that I don't think they look at video and all that because if you're in the MLS and you're a fourth official, that's where you're putting all your attention to is MLS. Who's actually watching the NASL if you're an MLS ref or fourth official for that matter as well? So I don't really know about that one. Yeah. Yeah, John, I'm not sure how many of your listeners are really aware of the relationship that PRO has to uh, one of the leagues, you know, the, the special relationship that the uh, that the PRO actually has in terms of its governance and in terms of its founding, who actually owns the entity and things like that. But, um, yeah, if, if, the, if the Cosmos in our league games, if we're getting assigned a lower-quality referee, uh, due to some kind of uh, ostensible divisional assignation, I, I I think that's really problematic in terms of uh, helping uh, the quality of play. Um, I, again, I I think that, that there's plenty of great referees out there, but uh, uh, we'll also say that we have a long tradition in this country of of having problems with referees not calling uh, fouls as much as they should, not protecting. Uh, talented players as much as they should. Um, there are exceptions to that. Great, great referees through the days. Uh, Gino DiPolito, of course, comes to, to my mind as a great referee from the NASL and MISL eras. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the great referees, if you will, are, are hard to identify because you rarely notice them. It's when uh, they make mistakes that we really notice them and uh, um, question what's going on. But I Obviously, I think you're raising really important questions, and uh, um, I think everybody needs to take a good look at it in terms of how things are arranged. Obviously, the IFAB uh, was promoting the fact that the first video replay in the world was being done uh, over in Harrison, New Jersey, uh, this past weekend in a USL match. And, uh, you know, just I, I think they're, the way in which they sent that signal out on social media uh, ought to raise some eyebrows, uh, just in terms of um, how this is really working out. Who's who's going where? Who's doing what? How they're assigned, etc. Um, that's not to say that uh, I feel that there's any bias against the Cosmos or anything. I think it really does work out at the end. But um, you know, if that was the level of experience of our center referee the other night, and we had stoppages like that, and we had you know, obviously the red cards in the 67th minute, etc. You, you, you've, you've got to address these cons- these concerns. They need to be raised and they need to be dealt with. Do you think the only way to sort of fix these problems is to have a better federation? If U.S. soccer actually cared about the other divisions in the U.S. soccer pyramid, then that's when I feel then these problems would change. But when MLS is owning pro and U.S. soccer really only cares about MLS because that's their baby, if you will, then they're not going to worry about NESL that much because it doesn't bring in the money, right? That's just the answer. Is It's all about the money. Well, I, I, I wouldn't want to characterize the Federation's uh, take on that. It wouldn't, wouldn't be fair for me to, to say or do that. Uh, um, you know, I've seen Sunil Galati at, at plenty of our games, and uh, yeah. I don't 
I don't feel like he ignores us or doesn't care about us or anything like that. Not that, you know, one person at the Federation speaks for it all, but um, that said, I do think you're, you're raising really important questions in terms of um, the way in which governance is working within U.S. soccer in this country and, and how the different entities uh, interface. Um, and, and that's really not only at the professional levels, it's to me that also applies to the youth levels and the, the mm-hmm. kind of turf wars that are going on with the, the fragmentation uh, within the game, really at all levels. It's, it's a, a problem that needs to be, be addressed and fixed if possible, but I don't have any solutions. Hopefully it is fixed, probably not this season, probably not next season, in the next couple of years. But moving on from that one, Cosmos hit the road once again to face Puerto Rico FC the first time they're going to Puerto Rico uh, this season. The Cosmos struggle on the road, David, uh, do you think they're going to face some struggles at Puerto Rico? You know, um, as pleased as I was July 30th uh, with that win, I mean, it was. I, I have to admit I was pretty surprised that to, to win three nil, um, the games that I'd watched Puerto Rico play since the season started, I, I thought they've had some hard luck. Um, I think they've got a lot of talent. I think they've got a coach who knows um, what to do with this team. I'm not overwhelmingly shocked to see them at the bottom of the table, um, but uh, I, I think that they're going to steadily climb up, and we'd better be on our guard. There's no question about it. We are a lot better at home than we are on the road. Um, so I think uh, I, I think all the boys in green are going to um, be very much aware about that, um, about the difficulties we've had on the road. But um, it wasn't that long ago that we faced them and won 3-0. Um, if the score flattered us a bit, I do think that we were the deserving winners. So I'm hoping we'll... Uh, we'll uh, show some better form on the road this weekend than, we, than we've become used to. The back line is always in question as well for the Cosmos. We see uh, Jimmy Mulligan. He got recalled or he came back from his loan. He was playing for uh, Sporting Kansas City's reserve team in the USL. Mark Dos Santos, who was the coach or he still is the coach, but he's being rumored to be the next manager of the San Francisco Deltas, which is the next team to join the league next season. And Jimmy Mulligan came back from his loan and is getting regular minutes within the squad. So that's pretty exciting as well. Mendez, in the past couple of days, he has been uh, getting a rest that they're calling it. He's getting a bit older, so maybe he needs a couple of games for a rest because, like Gio said, so many matches put together within the month, and uh, I feel like Mendez is getting older, and he just can't take all the matches. Well, I'm I'm a big, big fan. Mendez fan. I think our captain has uh, done so much for us, and uh, I think, uh, in all honesty, I, I don't know exactly where to place the blame uh, with those first two goals uh, that we conceded. Don't even really want to look at them, to be honest with you. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, what went through my head was, man, we need our captain out there. Um, but that said, you know, with David Chang and, and uh, Hunter Freeman, uh, things were shored up uh, very well after. Um, those two goals, although, you know, it was Jimmy Mulligan, the head of Jimmy Mulligan, um, that kept the three points for us right at the end there. Mm-hmm. Uh, heroics from the birthday boy. It was really great to see. And David Ocheng is so, over, I mean, underrated, not overrated, underrated. No one gives him a lot of love. He's an, a, a great center back. He really is. He yeah, doesn't he's, get he's that. Solid. 
Yeah. And that's just it. The squad is so deep. Um, I know a lot of people were really upset about losing a couple players uh, uh, over the the break of the season there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've got a lot of competition at all spots. And uh, it's, a, it's a marathon here. It's not a sprint. And uh, there's going to be a little bit of rotation in the squad here and there. That's to be expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need. And that's a good thing because injuries will happen too. Well, the team has been staying somewhat fit, right? So, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's good to see different partnerships uh, win as well. Yeah, give the whole roster some minutes. Like we saw, uh, we saw some of the youngsters get a couple of minutes as well. Moving on. Puerto Rico, what are your score predictions, David, for the match? Um, I think we're going to come out with a one-two to one-to-two victory. I think we will concede a goal, um, but uh, I think I think we'll come away with three points, one to two. I'll say. Puerto Rico in Ted last, which is really sad. But if you think about it, you you start your season in in the fall season, so it, it's sort of their fault. But they need enough time to promote. What they're trying to do in Puerto Rico as well. Uh, so, for Puerto well, that's, Rico, that's, and think about that in terms of fall 2013. Yeah, um, you know, mm-hmm. think about what happened. You know, at the end of 2012 to uh, the Puerto Rico Islanders, and then the need for another team to come in, and so that kind of got us in a little bit earlier. Um, what we accomplished in the fall of 2013, um, you know, it's really easy to be a, to be a spoiled Cosmos fan, isn't it? We kind of take our success for granted, but you see how Puerto Rico is trying to uh, get their sea legs, if you will. Um, it's really tough to come in as a new team, but to do it in the middle of a season, it, that's a great, great challenge. And if you actually watch these Puerto Rico FC games, they've been very competitive and they look very well organized. And uh, they're going to get more wins before this uh, season is over, that's for sure. I just pray it's not at our expense. Yeah, Puerto Rico, they have... Uh, players on their squad that have NASL experience with the Rowdies, with the Strikers, their number one goalkeeper played for the Strikers. So they actually scouted and, and, and got the right people in the door that have league experience. And if you actually think about it, like what David said, when the Cosmos came into the league, the playoff structure was so different. All you had to do was win the fall or the spring and you get to the championship match. Now it's four slots now. So it can either be argued that you have a better chance of being in the playoffs or you don't because you weren't playing the first 10 games. They need to get points and beat the teams in front of them. And they have seven points, uh, and their goal is to get as far up the table as possible. But it's it's a competitive league, let's face it. I mean, all the way up and down, the all 12 teams are very competitive. That Anyone can beat anyone any week. Um, so the, this home streak that we've got going here is something to really enjoy and not take for granted. You met a very special uh, former Cosmos player as well at the match this past Saturday, right, David? Tony Picciano. Oh, yeah. of course. Oh, oh Tony. Uh, you know, he's there an awful lot. He, this year he hasn't been able to come out. He's had a lot of different uh, coaching conflicts. He's very involved with LIJSL. Uh, Tony, uh, yeah, he's a really important alum. You know, his first ever game was Pelé's debut as well, and it was his birthday. Uh, so uh, Tony's got a great uh, great uh, heritage with the club, and uh, yeah, it was his first game out uh, uh, this uh, this year, and boy, it was really great to see him. 
and he saw a great match. He probably knew it was about the rivalry. He probably played in it, right? David, he knows yeah. how how uh, how hostile it could be and how intense it really is. I'm looking forward to Puerto Rico, Cosmos. David, thanks for joining me today. And uh, as always, let's go Cosmos, right, David? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Always, always fun to be on here. Thanks to David Gupacha for coming on the show. He talked about how the Cosmos lost some players after the, the spring season. And Andrea Mancini, the youngest son of Roberto Mancini, was at the Cosmos match two weeks in a row. He's on trial with the club. He's training with them. And that's very exciting because the Cosmos, for me personally, need a spark. And the Cosmos didn't add anyone when we lost Nico Kronjar, when we lost Michael Hood. You can make an argument and say that Michael Hood, we didn't need to add anyone as a defensive mid because we have Moffitt, Danny Satella, and quality players on the squad. We have a deep squad. But for me personally, we need someone else on this team. We need a we need someone to provide a spark. And I, I feel if Andrea Mancini to Gio and his staff, if that's the guy, then sign him up. He's in his mid twenties, has jumped around a lot of clubs in the past couple of seasons. That's a Cosmo signing. It's not a very attractive signing like you're signing like uh, how Pogba's going into United. But I don't expect a team in the second division or I don't even expect MLS to sign that type of player. Andrea Mancini is a player that fits in with the Cosmos. Gio can take him under his wing and say, Andrea... We're going to make you a squad player. You're you're going to come off the bench, or maybe you're going to get some minutes here and there. Like we said with David, Gio is going to use most of his squad. A lot of games, a lot of games to be played, and we need to make a push for the playoffs. There is going to be some injuries. So if you bring in Andrea Mancini, and you, you make him fit into this team, and make him one of the best players in the league, that's what he's going to become if he can stay fit, if he can start and fight for a place on a consistent basis, he will grow with this team. And we see this with other players like Danny Satella. He had offers from clubs from around the world. He got a knee injury. That all left. No more offers. No more great opportunities. He joins the Cosmos, trains, gets back. He's fit. And he is one of the key players on the squad. So that's what I'm trying to say is that if the Cosmos do decide to sign Andrea Mancini, he he will be a great fit. Not because of his name, not because who his father is. I think he will be a great fit for the New York Cosmos. The only problem is that at the moment he's on the contract with DC United. I don't know what type of uh, agreement they have. I think the only way the Cosmos can get him is if he mutually agrees to leave his contract. I think that's the first thing. If they don't want him at all, then that's how the Cosmos can probably get him. Or the Cosmos decide 
to pay a transfer fee, which they have never, ever, ever did so far in their modern-day history. The only team that I can actually remember doing it on a high level is Miami FC, and they're good at doing that because they have a lot of money to spend and improve their team, but the Cosmos are not that type of club. where We're not losing. We have a great squad put together from preseason till now. We need a spark, and I think Andrea Mancini may be that guy. Let's look ahead to around the league. Jacksonville was playing Fort Lauderdale for another Florida Derby. I don't know what they're calling this one. Funniest part, and we didn't talk about this on the show, Tony Maiola got sacked, and they got their first away win, Jacksonville Armada. So congratulations, Jacksonville. They finally got their away win. They had to sack Tony Miola to do that. Just process that. I know you may be a Cosmos supporter, but if you watch the Armada play, I don't watch them that often, but they had to sack their manager that was only there for the spring season and a couple of matches in the fall, and he couldn't get a road win. It wasn't his fault. And this is the problem with... Jacksonville Armada. And I'm going to compare them to Arsenal in England. Jacksonville Armada is just like Arsenal. Not because the Armada have some money and don't want to spend it. That could be number one. I'm not really sure how much money their Armada actually have to go out there and spend. The reason why I'm comparing them to Arsenal is because they have a manager and they don't give him time. And they want to keep on sacking that manager and sacking and sacking that manager and sacking that manager. They always call for him out. On Twitter, they said Tony Mayola out, Tony Mayola out. And they finally got their wish. With Arsenal, they're not getting their wish because in England the fans people might say that the fans in England are important, but they're not. They're gonna go back every single day because they want to see their team. But in this country, in the NASL, the fans have a voice because the owners are not making over a hundred millions of dollars each season to play in the NASL. So that's why the fans have a voice. I don't know how much of a voice the fans had in the firing of, of Tony Miola, but I'm guessing it's more of their owner, Mark Frisch's is call. He wants to see them playing well and he wants to see them win. And I would want to see the same thing if I was a supporter or if I owned the Armada as well. So um, <laughs> that match is going to be on CBS Sports Network, Jacksonville, Fort Lauderdale. It's going to be a very exciting matchup. I'm tempted to say the Armada are going to win this match. They're, the Jacksonville Armada are playing at home. So I'm going to say the Armada are going to win 2-1. Two, two Minnesota and Tampa Bay Rowdies. I'm going to go with a Rowdies draw. It's going to be a 2-2 draw. We're going to see some goals Wednesday night action on One World Sports. Moving on to Saturday, Jacksonville are facing Minnesota United. This game you can catch on ESPN3. I'm going to go with the Minnesota victory. Can't see the Armada competing with Minnesota United. They have an interim manager that got his first away win, so they do have a chance. I'm going to go with a Minnesota 2-0 victory. Fort Lauderdale going up against Ottawa Fury. Ottawa, they played in the rain in their last match. Uh, but Ottawa seemed like they know what they're doing. They're coming together as a team. 
I'm going to go with a Fury victory of 2-1. to one. Carolina, Indy, Indy for sure. They're very, very hot. They know how to win. Uh, they won last week in stoppage time. So I'm going to go with a Indy 11 victory, 2 to nothing. If you remember, Indy 11 played Carolina on the last match day in the spring season and scored four goals. Why can't they do that again? I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see Indy 11 keep on winning and winning and winning. But it's just reality in this league. I never gave my prediction for Cosmos Puerto Rico. I want to go with a Cosmos victory 2-1. Uh, to one. I, I just can't see the Cosmos actually dominating this match. They're not that great on the road. Things can go really wrong. If they do, then the Cosmos could lose this match. But I'm hoping that just doesn't happen. Uh, Tampa Bay against FC Edmonton. Another great matchup. I'm going to go with a draw 1-1. And the last matchup on the weekend. Rayo OKC, Miami FC, expansion, derby, whatever you want to call it. Expansion match. Uh, and they're probably going to be calling this a, uh, a rivalry. Uh, I'm going to go with Miami winning 2-1. Uh, to one. And the funniest part about the Puerto Rico match this weekend is that Puerto Rico is calling it a rivalry. We play them once this season, and they're calling it a rivalry. So I just don't understand that part. Uh, but still going on from around the league. The San Francisco Deltas have their home kits. So they have a whole list of designs of their home kits. And they're asking season ticket holders first they're asking them to buy season tickets and then they're saying when you buy season tickets then you could vote for what you want to see the home kit to be i find that to be really really exciting a lot of clubs would say anyone could vote but they're making it a very exciting incentive to become a season ticket holder and they're asking their season ticket holders rather than just random fans of the club people can look at that as both ways but San Francisco is, is a very exciting club. Also, like I said with David, it is rumored. It's just a rumor, but it probably is going to happen and make sense. Mark Dos Santos could be the, the next manager of the San Francisco Deltas. Could be. That's the name. That's that's the main part here, is that he could be the next manager of the San Francisco Deltas. If you're the Deltas ownership. This is a great appointment. You hire a manager who got to the NASL final. They got to the championship. Play the Cosmos. It didn't matter who you played because he went that far and faced the best team in the league and gave a fight. They were losing and they still tried to come back. And that team, that Ottawa Fury championship team, they didn't win it, but they got to the championship. Showed so much fight. And that's what you see in Mark Dos Santos' teams when he manages them. And you're going to see that same mentality put into the San Francisco Deltas team. And it's so attractive for Mark Dos Santos because he can put that team together from the ground up. He can implement his style of play from day one. He can pick what players make sense for his team. If you recall what the Ottawa Fury, he brought Pizer to the Fury. 
Pizier could be, or people argue about this, he is potentially one of the best goalkeepers in this league. I would guess in the top th- three or four. Jimmy Maurer is somewhere on that list. This is not in order at, at all. Jimmy Maurer is top of that list. Matt Pickens has to be on that list somewhere. You can make an argument for Matt Van Okel, FC Edmonton, and so on. And Pizier, again, has to be on that list. The last topic that we're going to talk about from around the league is that the Fort Lauderdale Strikers are going to be playing in a new home this weekend. They used to call Lockhart Stadium home. This time they're moving to, they're calling it a cricket stadium. That's what it used to be. But they're converting it to make it look nice for a soccer pitch. So we should watch very closely on August 20th. Strikers Fury, watch this match on ESPN3 and just see how how it looks. Does it look like it's working for the Strikers? They say they have better amenities. They have offices there. So as a club, and from what they're saying, because I'm not on the ground in Fort Lauderdale, it sounds like a better home. We talked to Cardick. He came on the show and told us that the Strikers will be moving from Lockhart to this cricket stadium, but he said that they are making renovations and they're making it nicer. And it goes to show you that, that the strikers want to approve the match they experienced at Lockhart. Again, on the show in the past couple of weeks, we had Cardiac on. He said that they were having leaks. It wasn't a great home, but it has a lot of history. In their last match at Fort Lauderdale at Lockhart Stadium, they drew 1,000 a little bit over 1,000 people there, 1,000 supporters. That's not a lot of people at a match, a professional match. So I'm hoping with this move, they get more people there. They have a better match experience, a better product on the field. They sign a brand new player that played for Juventus and so on. The strikers are, are making strides to become a better team on and off the field. And it's going to be so exciting to see how their stadium looks and what kind of response they get from the local community. I'm hoping it's a a very good one, but like I said earlier, we have to wait and see. So even though you don't support the Strikers or you don't care what happens there, just as a fan of a club in the league, you have some type of interest in the NASL. You want the league to do good, and the only way it can do good is if you sort of follow that team and hope for the best. There are some supporters that say, why Why do I have to pay attention to the strikers? There's this one supporter that says, why do I have to pay attention or why do I have to follow and support a team in the Open Cup when I like the Cosmos? Your team is not in the Open Cup. The strikers were the only team left in the Open Cup. They represent the NASL where no other team from the league is in that tournament. That's why you have to support the Strikers or support any team that will be representing the league. When the Rowdies go and play in the Florida Cup, they will be representing the NASL. People would say, what league do the Rowdies play in? Some supporters around the world would say, oh, they play in MLS. Some people might correct them and say, no, they play in the NASL. People might search the NASL, and that's 
how clubs get brand new supporters. That's how it happens. And that's why a lot of fans throughout this league should just support the league as a whole. I'm not saying support a team in Ottawa or support the Deltas. No, support your, your local team. But when when it makes sense to sort of uh, support a team that is in a tournament that your club is not in, go over there and support them and follow them in that tournament because it makes sense for the league. And that's how we're going to become bigger and better as a league in the future. But moving on, I had the chance to talk to Puerto Rico FC President Thomas Paine, and I really enjoyed this chat. I'm not just saying this. I really did. I enjoy everyone I have on the show. I enjoy talking to them, and I enjoy hearing what they have to say and what they bring to the show. I, I really enjoy that. But what got me really excited about this discussion that I had with Thomas Paine, and we'll get to it in a second, to learn more about Puerto Rico FC. Not a lot of people are covering Puerto Rico FC. There might be some questions. Is there a podcast in Puerto Rico FC? Is there a supporters group? There is a supporters group. I try to contact them. No answer. But no one really covers Puerto Rico FC. You don't really get the feeling. You you just can't tell what the supporters feel on the ground. What do the local residents in Puerto Rico feel about Puerto Rico FC? That's why I contacted Thomas Payne, Puerto Rico FC president, and we had a great chat about the future of Puerto Rico and so much more. And I want to tell the listeners of the show, I'm a Cosmo supporter. I'm a die-hard Cosmo supporter. I want to see this team, the Cosmos, I want to see them win the league every single year. And that, and that's not me being cocky. It's just a fan of a club that wants to see your team win. But I'm very, very excited about the future of Puerto Rico FC. And I hope you are as well after you hear this interview with Thomas Payne. I am joined by Puerto Rico FC's president, Thomas Payne. Thomas, how are you today? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Let's just talk about the response of the team. Like when it was first announced, what was uh, the residents in Puerto Rico? How did they feel about the club? Yeah, I think people in general are really excited. Um, listen, we're still educating a lot of people as well. Um, this is a different, it's a different type of market. I'm certainly learning every day, kind of how things work here and how people react and how they buy tickets and, and all of that. But all things being equal, um, I think we've been um, received very well, not only by the general fan base, but also, you know, the corporate world and, and everything else. So uh, I think for the most part, it's been really positive. Um, now we're finally moving into our, our offices, which should have happened ages ago. Um, and we should be kind of clicking on all cylinders here within a few, within a, within a couple months at least. Can you sort of uh, tell our listeners, if they don't know about the Puerto Rico soccer landscape, there is a Puerto yeah. Rican soccer league, right? They have numerous yeah. teams there. So are you guys sort of competing with that league for fans? Or do you think, because Puerto Rico FC is a team for the whole island, right? So right. it's not yeah. really like you're yeah, competing you, with the league you, at all. 
No, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's always the sort of petty uh, competition that you have with between youth soccer and professional, and it's no different than the stuff I dealt with in Los Angeles when I was with the Galaxy. But there is a professional league here. I, I would call it more semi-professional. It's, it's professional in, in in you know one aspect, but it's not like it's not like the players don't have to have other jobs and all those things. So. Um, you know, they're kind of paid on a game-by-game -game basis, but there's teams all over the island uh, like that. There's actually two leagues. Um, so, uh, you know, we have a good rapport with all of them. These are the teams that we were playing during the preseason. Um, you know, the level um, isn't all that great, uh, and that's, you know, part of our charter is to help, you know, turn this into a soccer island a little bit and help take, you know, some of these young kids who are really good athletes and get them, you know, hopefully the proper coaching and tools to become really good soccer players and help lift the national team, for example. Uh, we feel like the three, you know, pretty much the three best players in Puerto Rico are on our team right now, uh, and one of them obviously is scoring goals almost every game. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, I, I don't see it as a, as a competitive thing so much um, because we've been good to all these people, and one of the first things we did was we went all over the island back uh, a couple months ago, and we did pre-clinic tides of every club on the island. In fact, we're doing a huge clinic today and tomorrow in the city that we play, which is Bayamon, um, and they're all free clinics. And, you know, we work pretty closely with the clubs on that. So all in all, I think that part of it's been okay. They, they recognize that we're at a professional level that is different from, from what's here and what's ever been here, to be real honest. Mm -hmm. um, that's the takeaway I got from or I received from our first ever home game on July 2nd was people were blown away that um, the presentation was as professional as what we were able to do, uh, you know, in contrast to maybe some other professional sports here and maybe some other teams that have been here before. So nine games into your first season as Puerto Rico FC, do you think it's gone according to plan so far? Uh, we're talking on the field or off? Uh, let's say off the field for now. Off the field, uh, listen, I would have preferred um, to have, you know, had a, had a full office, been fully staffed and in an office. You know, that, that would always be my druthers. And to be frank, I think it's something the league should, should look at with all new teams. Is, um, they should all have the lead time that, for example, San Francisco has for next year, which is, you know, they've had people in place now for a couple months and they don't start till next spring. In our case, I didn't even move here till December. Uh, and if you know anything about Puerto Rico, December and half of January is nothing but holiday here. So, you know, it's mid to late January before I'm even getting my feet wet, sort of. Um, so I, I didn't hire staff till uh, most of them didn't start till April and May. So from that perspective, I think we're behind, but we're pretty, I mean, listen, all of our corporate partners are really happy with the attendance and with the opening game in particular, um, but I think we'll do better as the year goes on, for example. I think our game this weekend will do pretty well, and our game, you know, one or two of the September games will do as well as the opening game, and I think by the end of this year, we'll be at the, you know, kind of at the best from a business perspective as we have been all year. You talk about that, uh, the staff and the office and all that, but do you think ticket sales has been going 
good as well or no? It's going pretty well. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, guys, I, I was with the Galaxy, and you know, for a while there we slowed down every game, but then there were certainly years that we didn't, and I always want more when it comes to, you know, ticket sales. Opening day, I was probably the only person sort of stalking around because I thought we should add more people in the stadium. Um, maybe I didn't manage my my own expectations properly, but everyone else was ecstatic over over the crowd, which was six. I think six and a half thousand somewhere in there. Um, the thing that's really cool here is people are really engaged. So when they come to a game, they're really, really into it. The stadium is really loud. Um, there's, you know, it's, the seats are all covered actually, so the sound stay, stays in. Um, so even if there's three or four thousand at a game, it's a really great environment. But like I said, I, I expect to have better ticket sales games than our home opener. So um, because you got to remember our home opener was the first ever game for my entire staff. I mean, I've got ticket sales guys who've never sold tickets before. So it's a learning curve. Um, it will be really helped by the fact that we're all in one office now and, and I'm here with them. Uh, we've been working out of like four different sort of temporary offices with ticket sales in one place and, and uh, communications in another and me in a third. So it hasn't been easy, but, yeah, I think all things being equal, we're doing pretty well, and, I, and everyone seems to be pretty pleased. Um, very importantly, our corporate partners seem to be pretty pleased. Let's move the conversation to on the pitch. Uh, what are yeah. your expectations for the season? You're in uh, last place in the fall season, but you have a yeah. very experienced side within the league. Uh, so yeah. what's your expectations for the season? Well, listen, I mean, uh, I want to do a heck of a lot better than we've done. I, I think we've been in every game, um, included. The only game I'd say we really weren't in, at least in my opinion, was the Tampa Bay game. Uh, the Cosmo game, I thought we outplayed them for most of the first half. Um, gave up a bad goal, and then I thought we got badly outplayed in the second half. So, um, listen, I, we're very close, but I'm getting tired of saying we're very close. So, um, this is the reason why I'm not a coach because I don't have the same patience probably mm -hmm. as coaches do. They have to stay more positive than I do. Um, you know, I, we kind of set a trend for ourselves in the opening game of the year when we should have beaten Indianapolis. Uh, and we were up in the 90th minute, one nothing and gave up a goal on a silly off a silly free kick, um, which now we've done two or three times this year. So it feels like we're, um, somehow getting ties or losses out of what should be wins. But at the end of the day, those are all excuses. It's all about wins and losses, and we only have one win. So um, to answer your question, no, I'm not happy. Um, uh, you know, Listen, I think our reasonable expectation would have been to at least be 500 um, during the, you know, by the end of the year, which we still certainly have an opportunity to do that. Don't, don't forget we have a lot of home games left. We have eight, eight home games remaining. And we had very difficult travel to start the season. So, um, you know, those are little bits of excuses that I don't let the team make. Um, but I think we need to do better. And, you know, one of the areas I have been disappointed in is just what you said. We, we do have some veterans. You know, we, the coaches invested uh, and the technical director, you know, they invested a decent amount of our international slots, for example, on defenders or holding midfielders, something something I probably personally wouldn't have done, at least to that level. Um, so in response to that, I, I would at least expect them to play like veterans and not give up uh, last-minute goals like we just did again uh, the other day in Carolina. Um, so, you know, 
you know, are we perfect? No. Um, we play really hard. Um, certainly our forward is playing very, very well, and he's giving every team we play a lot of a lot of trouble, but we need to get more out of a lot of the rest of the players. With your manager coaching in Puerto Rico once again, do you think uh, he has something to prove this time around? Oh, yeah. No, I really, listen, I really, really like Adrian a lot. Um, we work very closely together. I, I enjoy the way he handles the team and the way they respond to him, uh, you know, in general terms. I don't, I don't think he looks at it like he has anything to prove, except he wants to win the same way, same way that I do. And obviously, you know, this is a, this is a nice job for him. We're both working for Carmelo Anthony. So it's got some prestige and it's got some, uh, you know, eyeballs watching it. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, I look at it, it's a success-driven business. You win or you lose, and we need to do better on the field for sure. Last question here, uh, Thomas. What is the short and long-term goals for the club? Yeah, well, I mean, on the field, listen, I'd like to finish strong and at least get to 500 this year and then, you know, build our team out to where to where we have, a you know, a stronger uh, nucleus next year with, I'd like to, to be honest, I'd like to have a couple more guys that really can make a difference and really can, can be, uh, somebody that the other teams are worried about. So, uh, listen, we, we need a couple difference makers on the field. I think, um, you know, wingers, attacking guys, that kind of thing. Certainly I'd like to end the year at 500 as possible, uh, or at the very least, and then build on that heading into next year. when I really look forward to playing an entire season next year it's difficult to start in the middle of the year both on the team side and the and the business side I think on the team side it's made all the more difficult being in Puerto Rico because you don't get the competition for example you know when the Cosmos probably started in the middle of the year they're able to get good games good competition in the preseason we really can't Mm -hmm. over here I mean we we beat the national team three, four, five to one type of thing. So, uh, and that's the top team here. So we, we went to Florida and got a couple good games. We played the Costa Rican national team right before the Copa Centenario, and we played, we played them really well. It's funny, though, the same thing happened now that I think about it. We were winning three to two, and we gave up a goal on one of the last plays of the game to tie. Um, so, you know, on the field, that's what we want to do. Listen, off the field, I want to get fully staffed. You know, now that we're in an office, I'll, backfill the best of uh, the rest of the office and uh, add some ticket sales people. And, uh, you know, I think by the end of the year, we'll have some real promising um, uh, sort of positive um, attendance figures going forward. You know, right now we're right kind of in the middle or in the top middle of the league, which to me doesn't mean all that much. I came here, I came a long way to come take this job and my interest, I'm not at all interested in just being one of the teams. You know, my plan is to, we want to be as big a team as there is in the league, both on and off the field. So I, I want to, you know, within a couple of years, I want to be at the top of the league in attendance and, and those kind of things. And then obviously I want to win championships on the field. So that's the goal for us. Um, it'll be nice to have a real off season and be able to build into a full season. I think, think that'll help and everyone will really grow here, both on and off the field. Um, but all things being equal, I think, you know, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Um, listen, the recession here is a real, a real thing. It's, it's tough. It's tough times. So, uh, 
we've tried to make it affordable and easy for people to be able to support us. Um, and we're doing a really good job in the community and, uh, you know, building our brand so that in the coming years when the things really start turning around here, we'll be at the forefront of that. And it's a it's a massive project and very, very exciting times. Next season, you guys should be even stronger as well on and off the field. Thank you, Thomas Payne, for coming on the show. Hopefully, we can have you on real soon, and best of luck in Puerto Rico. Thank you. Thank you very much. We look forward to talking to you again. Once again, thank you for Thomas Payne for coming on the show. Like I said, I enjoy that chat, but let's sort of dissect what he said. There's a recession there. At least they're making the tickets affordable. That's... 100% a great thing for that club. But what the team really needs, and Thomas said this, is they need a full off season to actually get rid of players that they don't want anymore and play top-level competition. He said they played semi-pro teams in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico doesn't have a lot of professional teams. The only professional team is Puerto Rico FC. So for Puerto Rico FC to play top-level talent, they need to get out of Puerto Rico and come to the U.S. and, say, play the Cosmos or play a USL team, maybe lower, maybe play MLS teams. That's what they need to become a better team. And that's all going to happen in the offseason. This Puerto Rico FC team and what they're trying to do in Puerto Rico is a project. It's not going to happen in one season. I understand that they want to be competitive and they have expectations and they want to be 500, like what Thomas said. They want to be mid-table. They want to finish as high as possible. They can only go as far as they could. They came in in the fall season and David Kopachik made an argument and said Cosmos did the same thing. It's a bit harder now. It's really hard because everyone else had 10 games to play. Indy won most of those games, so they are top of the table and so on. But it's going to be really difficult for for Puerto Rico to finish high enough to qualify for the championship. Can they do it? I don't see why they can't. They have a great manager. He coached the Puerto Rico Islanders already. He knows the talent there. He knows what he's doing. He's a very experienced manager, so he is going to get the most out of his players. And we are going to see a very, very intense matchup at Puerto Rico. It's going to be fun to watch. The Cosmos going there, they're going to draw a lot of people to the stadium. And that's just going to help Puerto Rico FC some more. And I don't want to see this happen But if Puerto Rico FC beat the Cosmos, they're probably going to get more fans to stick around because they beat one of the best teams in the league. And that happens in any sport. If you beat the top team, fans are going to stick around. Fans are going to be like, wow, that's why I support this team. Supporters going in there are going to be saying, well, we're facing a very, very tough team. But if if they beat the Cosmos... For sure, they're going to be the talk of the town. They probably already are the talk of the town. The talk of the island. That's a great, great business move. For Camille Anthony. The whole island. Like I said, it's a project. If everything goes the way it's supposed to be, if more people hear about the team, 
and hear how they're playing, if they're winning, if they're winning trophies and winning games. They're going to have a waiting list for season ticket holders. There's going to be people lining up outside of that stadium to go see a Puerto Rico FC match. That's why this is so exciting because it's a massive, massive project for Puerto Rico and something that we don't see in this country. We don't see that. It's crowded markets. Every market is so crowded. New York City, it's a crowded market with so many sport teams, other massive markets, Los Angeles, uh, Florida even is a crowded market with, with some NASL soccer teams, with MLS, uh, you have some NBA teams, and, and all of that. They're crowded markets. But in Puerto Rico, you have Puerto Rico FC, and that should be where everyone ha- turns their attention for sports. So with that said, I'm going to conclude the show here. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. I want to give a massive thank you to David Kopachik for coming on the show, helping us review Tampa Bay, and talking about the refs because the refs need to be talked about on a week-to-week basis. We need to get on the bottom of this issue. How do we fix this problem? You can tweet us at one team pod and tell us your thoughts. We will answer your questions and your comments and give us an alternative. What can the NASL do to get better refs? Do we start our own referee organization? I just can't see that happening. Do we talk to the USSF? Do we talk to pro pro is owned by MLS? Do we talk to MLS? Do MLS even want to talk to us? These are questions that need answers. So you can tweet us at one team pod and give us your opinion on that. And a second massive thank you. And I know I said it earlier in the show, but I want to say it again. Thank you to Puerto Rico FC. And I want to give a massive thank you to Thomas Payne for coming on the show and talking about Puerto Rico FC and their future. I really enjoyed that chat and I can't wait to see what their future holds for them. And I want to thank the listeners for listening to the show. Thank you for the support. And I want to say one thing. You can check out our Twitter at One Team Pod. You can check out our uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook at One Team, I mean, at First Team Podcast, Instagram at One Team Podcast, and our new website, firstteampod.com. We have our blog. We have our shop. You can pick up our First Team Pod shirts while supplies last. And you can check out our contest. We have a contest. If you buy a First Team Pod shirt, you win a, or you could be in the drawing to win a Cosmos poster. So check out that contest on our social media. And lastly, and this is the final thing that I will uh, talk about, we're having some housekeeping news, so hopefully you stick around for this. Lastly, next weekend is our second year doing the show. It's our second year anniversary, second year birthday, however you want to put it. And we need your help in celebrating it. We're going to have a massive, 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 massive show. And we need your help to to see what do you want to hear? Who do you want to hear on the show? So you can tweet us, like I said, on our social media. You can tell us on Facebook and so on. You you can even email us, firstteampod at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. My name is John Vershante, tuning out. I'll catch you guys next week. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. 
Borough Boys, I've been to Del Cosmos and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and White. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cause we're country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely somethings come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of it is, the rap from here, attacks, hash, and bliss. Reacts, tap, and we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stacking the wing, holding back to the to the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Affects your crew. Down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like shouting cues aloud to you without the dudes. Around my crews, I'll track the past, no excuse. Each session, the lesson is not about profession. The work's the test, and F's connected like a method. Now, breathless after training, something's gotta be corrected. Progression and acceleration at the start's most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we just begun. Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm.